is Deep Cuts, and we're all about Deep Cuts at the Boombastic Cast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Boombastic Cast. All right? How's everybody doing over there? Doing good, doing, doing good. Hey. You hear that? Hey, we got a, we're, we're joined by a fantastic guest this evening. Boombastic royalty. OG Boombastic. OG BBF, they say. Yeah. We have the one and only... Mike Calvin in the building. Woo! Oh, hello, hello. <laughs> How's it going over there? Oh, pretty grand, pretty delightful. Well, that's good. Even yeah. a pandemic, to be doing that great during a pandemic is, is mighty fine. Well, it's, it's, everything's graded on a curve now. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, the curve keeps on going up and down. You don't know where it's going to end up. Right, yeah, yeah. There's the curve you grade on, and there's the curve you flatten. There's the curve you <laughs> the curve you put your your mouth on, like American History X. Dark, curve, dark curve. Dark. You know, we're kind of we're kind of reaching, but we got there. Language Huck's is doing, fluid, Matt. I know. Huck's doing some construction in the background. Be quiet. <laughs> People will see the video in the back. Oh, oh God, it's all coming I know, down. It's, it's, it's teetering. Oh, we almost saw how the sausage is made back there. I know. <laughs> no one wants to see the sausage. Oh my god! <laughs> it's uh, I, I got the best face Alex ever made. One day was we were doing a show and that fell behind him while he was talking, and the look on his face—it wasn't like a scared look. It was like uh it was very weird. He got up quick. That was fun. There was a, there was a, there was like that hit. And then, like, everything was silent in the world. You could hear a pin drop anywhere in the world. It sounds like maybe it was a mental catalog of, oh, my God, what's behind me? Is there anything that people shouldn't see? I think you hit that right on the head. <laughs> and I would love to play something in the background. I would like to do put something in the background. If I could only sabotage Alex Hawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay now. This, this turned into a vaudeville act already. No, it really is. Uh God. Sorry about that. I don't know. Oh no, that's comment. a highlight. I don't want to comment on how that corner is just missing. Okay, thank you. Oh yeah. Now you're in the looks like you're more in the corner of the, the Japanese room instead of the <laughs> instead of like in the middle of the centerpiece of it. Nobody you know? puts oh, Alex in the corner. Yeah, nobody puts Alex in the corner. I like that. That works, Alex. Yeah. Oh God. It's been one of those days. Okay. I heard about that. Now it looks somewhat decent. Okay. Now back to what we were doing. You're so handsome over there with the wet hair. Is that wet hair from... Did you pop out of the shower? Yeah. Oh, my God. While me and Mike Calvin were waiting, you were taking a shower? You really are a superstar. Look at you. (laughs) Pretty Madonna. You look like John Hamm with the wet hair. He does, doesn't he? (laughs) <laughs> he does, he he he's a John Hamm and he Nick Cage. You got that little chubby Nick Cage thing going. I love it. What are you drinking? Arnold. Good man, good man. I thought that was a Mountain Dew for a second. I got scared. <laughs> All right, this get back on track. I'm going to jump back on track. Some editing on this. <laughs> so let's talk. Well, there's two editors right here. We got to, you guys could talk shop about editing. You know what I mean. So let's, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to start at the beginning of this. You know, this is going to be more of a little insider talk because Mike's been with the boom for so long and such. And, you know, we'll get filming. So Michael, 
Yeah. When, when did your love for the cinema first come into your life? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good question. You know, it's a gradient, right? Like, because everybody likes the cinema. Yeah. But then there's a whole other thing, you know? That's true. Then there's then there's the people that have walls of VHSs, like, like some people. I know. I was never like that, though. Oh, you know what? I think if I guy. if I had to draw the line, I think maybe it was Ronin, the uh, John Frankenheimer movie Ronin, that like kind of like clicked my brain over from like, you know, let's go to the movies and and see a movie into like, you know, what is a movie and how do you make it? Yeah. And that was what ninety six or something. something. I mean, that's like pretty that. far back for me. Yeah. Yeah, ninety six and uh, was it Jane Reno? It yeah, Reno? I've always I've always said it Jean Reno. I Jean don't Reno. know if I'm saying it right. You're probably saying it right. Uh you know the professional, which oh, was pre yeah. Ronan after the professional, right? Yeah, I think yeah, Ronan yeah. was. Okay, uh, here's a little. Can I, I know go you're on a world go diversion. Back on this one, yeah. You know where I'm going because I probably ranted about it before. In oh, my okay. opinion. There is a 90s highbrow action oh. trifecta. La Femme? No. Interesting. I'm keeping it tight here. All I don't right. want to make a genre. It's just there's three complimentary movies, and it's Ronin, Leon, and Heat. <laughs> and they're all kind of clumped mid-90s there. Jean Reno happens to be in two of them. And, uh, you know, they're all they're all three action movies. Actually, well... Robert De Niro's in two of them too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, they they're just they hold hands. They're uh, they're not low brow. They're not Jean Claude Van Damme. Right. There's no witty oh, one liners. On. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. The professional. Though, I do. I remember the first time I seen the professional was blown away as a kid. Like you were saying, I mean, you, there's there's a time when you're just like a kid watching films to watch them, and then you get to a point where you want to start making them. But, like, The Professional was one of the, like, I attest, like, Raising Arizona is that way, too. It's, like, one of those movies that you see before you you want to make them, and you just, like, really love them a lot, appreciate them. And The Professional is such a great movie. I love that oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I got to say, as far as I'm concerned, it's probably Natalie Portman's best performance. I thought that was the sex tape she did with Alex Ock was her best performance. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Alex Ock would never do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the um, but La Professional, great Luke Besson. I know Mike is a big Luke Besson fan. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I will give myself credit for that. <laughs> uh, I think we bonded over Luke Besson movies in the beginning. I think. I think you're right, and uh, he's he's such a mixed bag. Or yeah. his films are, you know, both like genre and and quality. <laughs> It can be, yeah. I, but, you know, you got, like, The Fifth Element is a great... Did you ever see The Family? No, how come that doesn't the even... The Family is... Uh, it came out maybe in the uh, later years. Uh, De Niro's in it. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. Um, came out maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, maybe even more. But uh, it's a mafia It's a mafia film. It was cool because it was, like, the first mafia film De Niro did in a while. And... Um, yeah, it's actually really good. Like to look at it to see the trailer, you would go, "Okay, this is kind of like I, I get where they're going with this." It seems like you know a watered down deal, but you have good people making it, so it's like better than what you would imagine it to be. And there's some like really fun moments in it. You know? 
I don't know about that. Uh, did you see it? <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw it. I have to admit, firstly, I was disappointed with it oh. because I saw a lot of possibilities with it, and it just it just didn't work with me. It's like you yeah. know, it had a lot of ingredients to be a, uh, a fun and good film, and <clears throat> honestly, I think it missed a lot of parts. The only good part I really did enjoy in that movie is you have it that now I think it's pretty much you have uh, Robert De Niro and his family there in witness protection, and I think they end up in France. I think that's where they end up, and there's a part where you know uh, a a a film uh, like club you know decide to because he's the only American to bring him in to talk about a film, and the right. film is Goodfellas. Right. So, I mean, that was, I, I think, the, the, the best part was was that. Everything else was... Hmm? I know why we differ. Because <laughs> you've seen the potential in it, and I didn't think it had any potential. So the fact that it was good was uh, better than I thought it was going to be, rather. Stuck well, up. like I said, I mean, when when I was watching it, I I it just really didn't work for me. I mean, the hey, thing I was, the jokes fell flat. I felt and yeah, it just didn't work. I can respect that. You you didn't get a chance to see it, Mike. No, sorry, doesn't it's, ring a bell. Don't don't let Alexander Hawk rain on the parade of the family. Hey, <laughs> don't listen to me. I would suggest the funeral over the family, though. The Abel Ferrer movie, way better movie. Yeah. But uh, it, the family movie, it was like one of those. This is my take on it. It was a De Niro movie later in life. We all know he really don't try and he doesn't really try anymore. Yep. So I just said, oh, this is going to be another watered down, half-assed comedy mob flick. And when I watched it, there was dial in it, and it was fun. I laughed at some of the De Niro stuff because De Niro was like a – it was back to like that um, almost like bully-type mobster that I, that I think is always fun for him to play. And not like old man bully from uh, – what do you call it? What's the new one? What's the Irishman? Which I like the Irishman. Did you guys – did Mike, you see the Irishman? I didn't see it. I was never into the mob movies. Yeah. I hear you. He, you, you do enjoy that Goodfellas shot, though. The long Goodfellas shot in the club. Doesn't even. Nope. I, I thought we were. I, we, I think we, we. I think we referenced it in DJ with a long shot once. But because <laughs> well, you know DJ and Goodfellas are right next to each other. Oh, of uh, course. Right. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Uh, Martin Scorsese I mean, yeah. thinks DJ is a better film. Um. But yeah, Michael, I know you went to actual film school. Out of all of us, you went to like a film school, right? To a, somewhat to a degree, I think. More uh, so than the rest of us. Uh, define film school. I have a film, film degree. I have a degree. I have a bachelor's degree. Yeah. In film. So. Which yeah, is. I guess. You know? And that, that, is it hung up? Do you have it hung up? No. I don't. And I even had to think about it. Nope. <laughs> Do you know where it is? It's in my house somewhere. In a shoebox under the Yeah, bed. exactly. Yeah. That's how that stuff goes. Yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. Well, what would you think of? What you would you take from 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 that? Anything what's your take on film school? Oh. <sighs> well, I don't know if my experience is representative. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was a fluke or if it was typical. Um but it was it was almost all theory, which is 
fine, but you can't get, you can't get going anywhere, you know, like without actually without actually shooting and editing, right? Um, and or directing and writing or whatever you know whatever skill set you want to you want to pursue, yeah. and so we kind of had to just do it ourselves. And so me and my couple other friends from in college that were kind of in the same kind of track as me. Um, we, we majored in film, took the film classes, but then we also took as many television classes because there was a pretty, pretty decent uh, broadcasting uh, program. So we took all the television classes and just, you know, didn't do the like journalism and radio aspect of it. Like it wasn't double major or anything. Yeah. Um, and then just made our own shorts. And that got me like enough background and skills to start doing something outside of school. And I was lucky enough that uh, very shortly, you know, a couple months after I graduated college, I ended up collaborating with uh, this filmmaker who was kind of like a guest professor that taught a documentary class that I was taking and he was producing a feature documentary. And um, I just kind of, you know, just sent him an email after a while saying like, Hey, here's what I'm up to. What's up kind of thing. Basically just networking, which everyone is trying to do desperately as soon as they graduate college. And then I started shooting on shooting a doc for him and you know, started playing around and, and shooting, you know, smaller stuff and getting bigger and bigger with you. And of course I did the, uh, the event production, which eventually got spun off into producing DJ stand in with you and like the really weird perversion of it. <laughs> so what I'm getting at here is that education was enough to just, it was just a push, but everything that I actually needed to know to actually do anything of substance. I learned after college. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're big yeah, believe. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I, I definitely find, uh, I mean, in my case, like uh, in the acting and all that, I'm col- uh, I, I find college is, is, is fine for, you know, just getting the terminology and like uh, maybe the basis idea, but if you really want to learn how to, whether it's editing, filming, acting, anything like that, um, there's nothing better than actually physically, you know, doing that, you know, and and uh, and all the second, you animal. So yeah, but, I mean, I think everybody would agree that just doing hands-on is kind of the way to do it. You know, especially nowadays where every, you know, the learning problems and all that and difficulties have always been around, but it's more coming to the forefront. You know what I mean? That we had all these learning disabilities are out there. And a lot of people, myself included, learn things a lot better just doing it. You know what I mean? By doing it. Same thing with like, if I write things down, I remember them. It's weird. Like, then you don't have to have them written down, but now you remember them. It's a weird deal. But it's cool. So, yeah, I mean, the more in the class stuff. And like, what do you say, it was theory? Was it just kind of like, you know, discussing why films made people feel certain ways and stuff? Largely, yeah. It yeah. was, and you know what? 
I don't want to downplay it too much because there is a thing that I did over and over again for class after class in college that was really valuable, even though it was it was mostly theory, it was a little bit practical, was recutting films and scenes. And it was, I guess it really worked because like virtually every professor had us do it in, in one way or another. And I've seen Mulholland Drive and uh, Run Lola Run probably 10 times each because those were two of the films that we were assigned to recut. And it was like, you know, you take uh, Run Lola Run, which is weird and great. Um, I don't even know what, to, it's like not an, I almost call it an action movie, but it's not. Yeah. It's just a movie that has like a lot of frenetic pacing yeah. and people never stop moving. And so like we would take Run Lola Run and recut it so that it either told the same narrative, but with a different tone or like we would just completely take the source material and make a different narrative out of it. Yeah. That kind of thing I found was uh, actually re- really helpful to understanding editing, you know, that kind of thing where yes. taking, taking editing, I guess I have editing on the brain, <laughs> taking editing and training yourself to think of it as not as more than just taking the shots, taking your dailies and yeah. putting them together. So it matches the script. Yeah. There's, there's storytelling ability in the way you juxtapose your shots. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You can, that's that great technique to have people do, you know, you can definitely, you can flip the, you can flip the genre realistically with some music and some recutting. You could make it a dramatic film, a comedic film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now on YouTube, people do it all the time for fun. Yeah. 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 It's a crazy thing. The, um, now you want to, yeah, I know you did a, you did a little short film in school. Oh, I think it was yeah. more of a thesis film. I did a couple. So there's you... one that I, I'm familiar with. That I'm a big fan of. A oh man. Film. Oh yeah. That's, I did, I did, uh, I did a series of shorts, dramatic uh, comedy kind of stuff. They are. I don't. They're never going to see the light of day. I would love it was, to see them. Yeah. It was. It was very silly, um, but I put just stupid amounts of effort into it. Yeah. And <laughs> then I also did Slippery When Wet, yeah. which was yeah, it was more of a thesis thing. And I do not want anyone to come away with by me saying thesis and saying it was not my silliest project to think it was any kind of highbrow pinky out. Uh, Ken Burns anything like that it was it was a documentary and it was for that class I mentioned before that I ended up uh, collaborating with the professor but as as a cameraman and then later a DP Um, but Slippery One Wet is I had to come up with an idea for a doc and um, and I thought of all right what if we take the format of cops (laughs) and apply it to janitors and (laughs) but but with not a i don't i mean do not i do not want anyone to think i'm calling cops journalism because i'm not but (laughs) instead of like a instead of a television journalism ish approach like cops doing a feature documentary treatment to it in editing and um and i guess that's 
weirdly, it sounds like a mundane a mundane material to do a high concept thing with, but it kind of worked. And in the yeah, end, yeah. Uh, you know, I keep on forgetting that you even seen it, Matt. That was so long ago. Believe it or not, I actually own a copy of it, if I remember correctly. Ooh, Ooh. collector's I item. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. That's right. Well, I know how I know how Mikey feels about films he wants under wraps. I don't. I, I you know I know I know a filmmaker's uh, plea. <laughs> But uh, it, the, the, what works about it, these the two janitors are very fucking lovable characters, you know. Rustoleum, rust particles. I'll never Can't forget believe that. You're quoting that. I will I quote never that. forget that. I'll never forget that. Never. Um, ooh, what was it? What was that gentleman? Uh, can we get? What was his first name? The, the 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 more there was one that was a little more colorful than the rest, I believe. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm proud of Slippery One Way. I think yeah. it. I think it was good. That guy's name was Zeke. Yes. Um, but really, Zeke and Tom, the two guys who were featured in it, they, it, I just kind of lucked out. Yeah. Um, I knew him already uh, through a, a part-time job I had, um, and that's how I found them and chose them. But it, it could have still been a disaster. But yeah. it could have been, you know, they could have worked at a box factory. They could have done anything if it was Zeke and Tom together in a room. It was going to be fine. It was, a, yeah, they had a dynamic. It was like an, uh, like an Abba Costello. One of them was kind of like the, the, the straight man, and the other one was the little more wild one. You know what I mean? It was yeah. dynamic. It was like Ernie and Bert. And they just randomly worked together. That was just like a random pair that you yeah. came across of? Yeah, yeah. They were just kind of a team. There was just, you know, uh, there's only so many custodians around in, in this building, and they're the guys that work the night shift. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I wanted. Maybe it's not obvious. It just instinctively, it seemed like the thing to do to go to the night shift. I don't know why. It just seemed like that. I don't even know. I don't even think I thought about it. But you know, that's when they get. They're unsupervised. Yeah. They just, you know, they get their job done in ninety minutes, and then they got the rest of the day just to make trouble. And that's exactly <laughs> what they do. Yeah, it's that backbone <laughs> of America stuff. Yeah. You know, it's the people in the shadows that keep the machine moving while you sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very fun. You know, I wonder whatever came about with those guys. All, all I have to say is that, uh, and next time I, I'm at Matt's place, I got I got to watch it. I want to watch that. Mike, so Mike has a five hundred dollar admission fee to watch that <laughs> documentary. Hawk, I would be flattered if you watched it. It's all like right. forty two minutes. You can manage. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're doing uh, slippery I, 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 or whatnot. I'm going to go there. Uh, we're going to open up a Kraken. We're going to sit back and we're going to watch slippery when. Alex will drink a whole bottle of Kraken to himself and watch Slippery Wet. <laughs> and then he'll go, we should make still Slippery Wet wet, man. <laughs> I should be the star of the film. <laughs> no, Alex would never say something like that. Oh, he no. would never turn slow motion like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only when I'm listening to him, he does that. So, you know... That you know that was kind of um, now the shorter films before that were more narrative or were those kind of documentary vibe too. They were narrative, okay, and they were kind of. Um, I mean, they were they were real simple, yeah, uh, and I mean that both technically because it was like two thousand two or something. Yeah. You know, we didn't have much to work with, uh, but I also mean that. Um, me and my collaborators, our goal was to make it so that dialogue was optional. 
Like yeah. very simple. Yeah. <laughs> the best way to do it. We've worked on some film sets like that. You know what I mean? Um, and then from that, you know, there's a, the, the, the slippery when wet play any factor in, I know you worked on it. You, what you, the next step up was a dog. Like when I met you, you were working on a documentary. Did that play any factor into getting you on that, that position? In it, that yeah, film? it did. That's when I mentioned before, I ended up ho- hooking up with uh, that, the filmmaker that was kind of a guest professor for my documentary class. Yeah. He's an experienced filmmaker, mostly in documentary or, on the executive level in documentaries, producer, director, writer, that kind of thing. Um, he's also just, you know, a, a working editor and assistant editor on all kinds of stuff that you've heard of and paid money to see. Yeah. Um, and, but, but, you know, that's his job. And then right. kind of his like passion gig is, is producing other smaller things. Yeah. And so we hit it off, you know, as a student and professor and uh, he liked my work on Slippery and Wet, specifically cinematography. Um, and so then I ended up shooting uh, that feature doc with him, Rick, and um, uh, Rick Derby. I don't know. I guess we can name drop, right? Yeah, we can name drop. I was gonna. I, I didn't want to push it, but yeah, we can. We're not gonna say anything bad. He's a good guy, so yeah, we can name drop. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'd be nowhere without Rick. Yeah. And you know, I'm. I'm not. I'm not in a. I'm not in a big place. You know, my nowhereness, but <laughs> but I'm right. somewhere and it's because of Rick. Now, now that did that documentary, I know that there was a little there was some issues with wrapping it up at the end. Did it ever get re- released by any chance? No, not. It hasn't. It's a I great story. The, the story was great. Do you want to jump into it a little bit? You want uh, yeah. first? I got to call you up, Matt. OK, you're involved. I am. I did. Yeah. I did sound, I think, on one day, but I was very happy to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. We had so many. We had a core team, and then we had so many people that just came and helped when we needed help. Yeah. And and you were one of the people. Um, we needed a sound man, and uh, yes. and and you stepped up. I don't remember how it came up. Uh, yeah. I used at the time. I think I was going and shooting that thing. You know, a couple of days a month, and it was a long haul out uh, to the Berkshires here in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, good time. Anyway, uh, anyway, I forget where I was going with that. Well, we were at a, um, when I, we were at a film festival, we were at a film festival, I think when I was there, Yes, they were screening and Sally did a a spoke and did the, we did the Q and a, and I think that, that was, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Do you, um, you want to talk about like what the documentary is about and kind of shed some light on, you know, rest in peace, uh, Sally, of course, very just sad. But um, do you want to talk, you know, we can use this time right here to raise a little light of the, of like yeah, sure. what happened, you know? Yeah. I've kind of, I'm still holding a hope the tiniest bit. It's good. It'll be good. Because we'll yeah. uh, serial docs have had a kind of a renaissance again and, and yeah, and, and they can be serious, which this is, but you know, then there's also Tiger King. People go nuts for it. So, <laughs> right. so who knows? I think I think there's an audience, but oh, yeah. it's a mountain of work yeah. that still needs to be done in editing, uh, and that's on this particular project. Uh, I, I guess above my pay grade, you know. Um, so anyway, I'll go back a little bit. Tell do a little backstory. Try yeah. not to make it too long. It's a ten year long production 
history on this thing. Uh, all right, here's here's the elevator pitch for the for the untitled Goodrich Doc, um, and that is around 2004. I got uh, I got pulled in to start working on this project. Uh, what had already been done by then uh, by Don and Sally Goodrich, um, who are a a couple from uh, kind of ruralish Southern Vermont. Um, and, uh, so they had started doing this program, uh, where they're trying to help schools in Afghanistan. And then remember, this is 2004. This is the time. Uh, this is uh, the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Afghanistan was a different place. The world was a different place in the context of looking at Afghanistan. Um, and so they got involved in this because their son, Peter, was a victim on 9-11. Um, he was on uh, one of the jets that actually crashed into the towers. And it's a very, very complex yeah. story, simplified down. Um, Donna Sally, Peter's parents, wanted to do something proactive, uh, proactive to do something about the situation and also to um, commemorate their son. And he was uh, 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 an open-minded thinker type, um, interested, you know, open-minded and interested, especially about religions, but not because he was himself a religious zealot or anything like that. Um, And, so Donna Sally end up trying to improve uh, education in Afghanistan. And uh, it was in Afghanistan, it was kind of a, a rough place to be a kid and a hard place to get a, I guess what we would think of in the West as like a unbiased uh, secular education. Um, so then it snowballs from there and it goes from sending notebooks and markers over to uh, teachers. And then they end up building a school um, in Afghanistan. And it was not just any school. It was a school in uh, rural Afghanistan outside of the major cities. Uh, and again, um, I said it would be short. This isn't short. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's good that we go along. It's important stuff. So at the time, in the 2000s in Afghanistan, uh, it was a whole it was a whole different place. Uh, if you were in Kabul, than if you were in Kazakhstan, uh, both both in the same country, uh, you get away with different stuff. Um, you lived a different kind of life, and so this this school was a boys and girls school, which was very unusual. Um, where they had a religion, uh, sorry, uh, a non-religious um, education, which was unusual. Um, and then from there, they springboarded the school in Afghanistan and can, continued that. And they started to bring students uh, from Afghanistan here to the United States. Uh, they were... The Afghan kids in the school were younger, like elementary school age. And then the ones that they brought over to the United States were uh, high school and college age. And they were fewer and eliter. Um, and 
So, all right, that sounds pretty bland for subject for a doc. It's like, okay, good people doing good things. That's a newspaper article, not a featured doc. But then, of course, everything gets hairy. Uh, there are unforeseen circumstances. This thing stretches on and on and on. Um, it kind of turns a little potential to be meta at the end, which I liked. Um, because like you said, Matt, that shoot that you helped us on, that was at a festival. Yeah. Like we were still shooting while we were screening <laughs> a I, festival screener of this thing, uh, which I really, I was hoping to do something like that, you know, start it at the end. Yeah. Work your way back and then catch up with yourself. Yeah. Uh, I would like to do something like that. <sighs> Who knows? There's a lot of ways you can go. Uh, so, and then, like you said, you alluded to before, um, one of the twists and turns that it takes is six, five or six years after we get started, um, Sally, the, the lady who was the driving force behind this whole thing, she passes away from cancer. It was not her first bout. Um, and, uh, and everything kept chugging along. You know, she was the driving force, but it didn't stop there. Yeah. Um, and we just kept shooting and shooting and shooting. And, and now we've got hundreds of hours of mini DV. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mini <laughs> DV, baby. Yeah. Mini DV for a while. We thought that was going to be the end of the road because no one wants to watch a four by three standard deaf anything, yeah. but now it's come back around again. You can do that. You can, you can nest it in. You can mix it. You can cut it. You know, uh, making a murderer did it, whatever. Well, especially with documentaries, because it's a sign of the times. Exactly. It's like watching a 16 millimeter print of something almost, you know what I mean? You're getting the vibe of it. Yeah, it's in in, in 10 years, they'll have a mini DV filter on Snapchat. Exactly. If not, if not less, yeah. But that—that's a documentary I could all. But like you said, a mini series on like a Netflix or something that could be big. And because of the subject matter, you know, it touches on the nine eleven thing, which will always, it'll always, you know, the anniversaries. There'll always be time for them to put out a documentary like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that those kind of um, issues, those kind of um, things, are going to. They're always going to be on people's minds uh, forever. So, I mean, definitely, it'd be great to you know, you know, get it together. You know, pitch it to Netflix. I mean, I I think I think it'd be a, a great thing. I definitely want to see it. it Don, is is Don still with us, or did Don pass yeah. too? Oh, nope, that's Don. cool. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I, I I follow. I keep up with Don and the fam. Yeah, Facebook. They're living the best life now. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, they're yeah. all they're an LL Bean catalog. Every time I get a, every time I get a catch up on them, you know, they're fishing and and hunting and hiking and you know, no one's aging. Everyone looks amazing. Oh, good. They deserve it. They have, they've had too much. They've had too much trauma already in their life. They could have some good days ahead of them. You know. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It's one of those things. And that's roughly around the time that me and Mike met, I believe, because we did that. Um, and we were, I met Mike originally. He was working at a, um, it was a wedding company and shooting and editing up wedding videos. Yep. Um, I came in there. I was an assistant to, I'd say, whatever needed to be assisted. You know what I mean? 
Um, I never that's, quite worked my way up into it. On his resume. <laughs> huh? That's what that? your resume. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I never gained respectability at that organization. But that's a, that's a relative thing there. I know. They don't give that out to <laughs> you. <laughs> you might not want it. Not even the people that own it respect each other. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that, you know, the, the wedding world was crazy. It was crazy world to enter for real because going, you know, there's so much insanity. You know, Mike, what was your first, the first time you started doing weddings as, you know, a business thing, not as a spectator? You know, what were some of the first things that really like made you kind of, kind of, you know, take note, like halt and go, what's going on here? Ah, oh, man. Weddings are so weird. Everyone knows this. I guess my overriding thought that started early and never stopped is everyone thinks people want to go to their wedding, but nobody wants to go to anyone else's wedding. And it's like people don't have people don't have the clarity of thought and perspective to realize, wait, people are going to feel that way about my wedding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the center of the earth type stuff. What? What? Uh, Aunt Henrietta, uh, Henrietta wants to go somewhere else, wants to go to, you know, cousins, Jimmy's, uh, you know, wedding instead of mine. What? What? What's up with that? Well, that would be yeah. beef, yeah. Then that beef would 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 unfold in the dance hall. You know what I mean? Oh, there we have seen many beefs. Oh yeah, many beefs unfold. Very fantastic. You know, the the, the jump in the DJ real quick. You know, there's a notorious scene in the film DJ Stand the Man of a of a gentleman getting hit in the head after you using a racist comment. And sometimes people say that might have went too far. I always have to tell them that was reality. That whole thing was taken out of a real situation of an old an old guy coming up, drunk, wanting a song played, and the song didn't get played because the DJ who the DJ is always a weird person at the wedding because they get a list of music but they still do what they want to do. They they're it's it's like they think that the people came to see them perform and not for the wedding. That's the best part. <laughs> um yeah it's crazy and uh so like stuff every now and then they'll want they'll want to play a song it's funny there the, the, a wedding a dj we all know we might have even have done a movie with um <laughs> dj and somebody with wedding and i know he used to have that take of well this is, it's my party like i remember when people would come up and say they want a certain song and he'd be like that's slowing down my momentum we're not playing it like no matter what it was and i can kind of understand it um, I remember he did a wedding for somebody who like, there was a big deal that they danced. They, they, they came down the aisle with their father to this song. And I know he like, he like messed up the song and it was just like, it's funny how much he doesn't care. DJ stand the bit. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. So we met chase, you know, I don't think we've ever dived into this, but we actually met chase at this wedding company. Cause he's a, he was an official DJ. Um, which like we knew going into it, if we we're going to have somebody playing a DJ, you should get a DJ because the best person to, you know, to play a DJ would be a DJ, especially if he's not an actor. Um, so that, yeah, we devised the big, a big plan was devised that we'd just get a real DJ to play a part. Now we got to give Chase Carson credit because he has that, that personality and presence to him that is very is great like like a great actor because you know he 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 was a trooper you know a state trooper in the past 
mm-hmm. which is a lot of acting going on with that. You know what I mean? And then DJing is a lot of acting going on with that. And uh, yeah, we met him there and he was, he was probably the most colorful of all of the DJs. You know, there was, a, there was a, maybe like three or four that worked there. It's funny though. Cause there's like beef, like the one of my favorite things about the whole wedding business is that it's like, it's supposed to be this thing of this beautiful day, the most beautiful day in people's lives, like the people having it, but behind the scenes, they're all like animals and like they're fighting and doing all types of crazy things. And like, nobody really cares. It's so funny. Like the, the drop off of caring, like that five feet you get from that walkway when you're walking to your table, the five feet to the booth, DJ booth, the drop in caring that drops down so much is like ridiculous. It's funny. It's kind of funny, but yeah, I, I love the old one. You missed the weddings, Mike. Oh my God. No, I got wedding PTSD. I, know. <laughs> I remember there used to be a giant. Mike was the only dude I think that edited these videos. And there was like the two twin towers of like wedding videos at all times in front of Mike. Poor. I felt bad for him. Poor guy. Yeah, it's true. There were, I mean, came and went over the years, but there were many, videographers uh i was one the owner was one there were many more but mostly i was the only editor uh so yeah i had a giant mountain of wedding videos uh that i edited and but you know i was a working editor i can't complain too much it was like the weird thing about the whole thing is that like when i got there it was fun because we were actually or at least for me it was like working in some type of film film field in a way you know what i mean so that was fun but even though you're doing wedding videos and all that you're still working with the cameras and you're editing it up and doing all that deal you know and i know what they're they they would put together videos that were a little more than your typical just you know press record and follow them with the camera type deal so there was like a production that went to it you know what i mean so they were like putting together some nice things that took what well, mike was putting together some nice things that you know took some work you know what i mean so there was a production to it it wasn't just you know slapped in there yeah exactly it every one of them even though uh they were kind of a they were i mean they're a formula it's not like i was just like you know, watching watching the raw footage on each one and going, all right, how am I going to approach this? You know, it, we had to get these things done. Um, but still, each one was handmade. Uh, and there's just not that many. I mean, how how many products do people buy that is handmade for them like that? Of importance, and, of great importance like that. Yeah, and that's, that's what we were doing. It was yeah. handmade uh one one shot you know we're not doing any take twos on anything here very high stakes to shoot and then uh in editing it was i mean i don't want to get too grandiose about doing cookie cutter wedding videos here but i kind of thought of myself like uh like a craftsman that was building furniture yeah you know like i do all my cuts put it all together and then like play through all my cuts. And I always kind of thought of that as like just going over all my scenes with some sandpaper. Yeah. And, you know, then I do hundreds upon hundreds of those. And over a couple of years, even if it's not teaching you, uh, you know, how to edit narratively or anything, it's teaching you how to edit efficiently. Yeah. And you're still, you're still trying to put emotion into it, even though it's more documentary style and stuff. You're trying, if you could throw in a shot that adds a little more emotion to what you do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And edit out all the uh, drunken uh, 
you know, fights and the swearing and all the bad stuff, right? Oh. Keep the good stuff, cut out the bad. Exactly. Hawk, it's not edited all out. There's a fine balance there. <laughs> ah. Edit, uh, figure out figure out who's paying the money. Yeah. Make them look good. Absolutely. <laughs> See? And then... And then everyone else is, you need some flavor. So somebody falls down on the dance floor, you know, there's no blood, leave it in. That's the same thing as filmmaking as well. Yeah, yeah that's true. Figure out who's happy and keep going. You know I mean? Hey, I have, I have to ask, okay. Have you ever had uh, someone come up to you like, okay, you know, um, here's like an extra 50 bucks here. Extra 50 bucks, Okay. I, I want Uncle uh, Sean over there to look like a fool <laughs> or something like that, you know. M- modify the uh, the uh, wedding video so someone looks a, a lot better than someone else. You know? well, real quick, Alex, you're, you're automatically wrong thinking that some – they ought to, because the family's paying you, they automatically feel you need to jump through hoops because you're already paid. They're not or, gonna give you. They're yeah. not gonna give you no tip. There's they no. Give you a tip. No. It's tip. more like, hey, go take a pitch. Go take a photo. Go videotape. We're paying you. Go take a videotape, Uncle Carl. Yeah. Oh, one of the things. You know, I said I got wedding wedding PTSD. Yeah. One of the things that made me actually have like the conscious thought, like this can't go on. I can't keep doing this. Was one of the last weddings that I shot. Uh, it was after the days of that company that Matt and I used to work on together and I was uh, self-employed doing my own. And, um, and so I mostly did it solo every once in a while though, my wife would help me. And um, she went to journalism school. She knows what she's doing. She can set up a tripod. She can get me a B angle. You know, she's, she's more than just my wife in that context. So she'd help me out. And, uh, and the mother of the bride on one of these weddings called her the help and i was like i don't really know what to i don't really know what to say to that i definitely don't like it and that was there was there was kind of a my my trajectory going off a cliff that was one of the that was one of the the rocks on the cliff yeah yeah and it's, it's tricky. That, that's the thing that always blows my mind is when, you know, okay, when you're doing something for someone, whether it's, you know, uh, doing wedding videos, whether it's, you know, working retail, whatever, when, when, when people, you know, are paying you for a service, they, I, I always find people always think, uh, have a tendency, always think of themselves higher than you. I mean, just, just because they're the ones actually paying you, which is like, you know, you got to treat those that are working for you with respect because if you want a good product, you know, you treat the people who are working for you with respect. If, if you treat those working for you like crap, they're not going to work hard for you. They're not going to try and make sure that you have a good wedding video. They're going to just... You know, say, well, this person treated me like crap, so I'll put in the minimum amount of effort. I you mean, know, it's- you, you know the side of being tre- of being treated like crap. Some of them people don't know what that side feels like, so they're not going to care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk, you you hit the nail on the head with yeah. that. No, that uh, what people some people don't seem to realize is that uh, 
Like they, they don't realize that some people have an awful lot of power that they don't know that they have. Yeah. And if you offend the wrong person, they're going to use it spitefully. Yeah. And I don't think I did that a lot, but <laughs> on the other side of that, I know I did it sometimes. And, um, and, and the, but, and the other side is not everyone was horrible. And if there were people that I liked, or even that, even if I didn't particularly like that, that were fine and respectful, um, then I would go the extra mile yeah. and they get something better, like sometimes a lot better. And then there's the people that, that call you the help. Um, and you know, if you want extra copies now, yeah. you can pay me $50 a copy for that. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or like, oh, yeah, some, you know, I was saying before about like you figure out who, who you need to please and yeah. make them look good. Sorry, nothing I could do about that, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. They're in the bathroom all night. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. It reminds me uh, way back, um, I used to do community theater after I got out of uh, college. And I was um, on a play and and of course, it's community theater. So when when you have someone who's playing the star who gets, you know, kind of this air of importance and diva effect, you kind of like, it's a community theater. You know, it's not like you're on, you know, Boardwalk Empire or, or something like that. But there was this one guy who, you know, really liked putting down like anyone who was working behind the scenes, you know, and he was given uh, the prop uh, lady some, some, uh, attitude and when she left i i turned to him and says you know in act three you have to drink from that whiskey bottle of yours you know there's many other places other than the taps you can get the water from right <laughs> uh, guys say after that he was nice as punch to her <laughs> that's good i mean that's good advice you probably taught him something he used the rest of his life you know what i mean yeah because it's like you know, you, you have to always realize is that no matter where you are in society, your job, wherever, you know, one of these days you might not be at that level, okay? And if you constantly treat people who you consider below you like crap, if you end up for whatever reason, you know, dropping down, they're going to be higher than you. How do you think they're going to treat you when they finally have the power and you don't. Right. I, I, it's, I think people should be nice to each other just because it's nice to be nice. But a lot of people, I think you have to literally tell them, like, if you're not nice, you will get your comeuppance. You will. One of these days, you know, you're going to be finding out the person you treat like shit is going to be a, a boss, you know, like down the road. So... I mean, that's that's one of those things I always try to tell people, like, you know, you, know, you might be top dog today, but it doesn't mean you're top dog tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. Everyone should keep that in mind, Alex. Yeah. Alex, you should be like the president. <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely would not want to be the president. Who wants to be the president nowadays? Dang. <laughs> not a fun job. Ain't as fun as it used to be. <laughs> so, so you know we're gonna go back i think the first film 
me and Mike, or the film first like project me and Mike ever worked on together. I think it was the site. Was it the site? Or was yeah. it the music video? All right, I think it was the site. Oh, no, you're right. No, it was the site because we was, shot that in Mini DV. Oh, yeah, Mini DV power. The power. I've I seen a movie recently that had, uh, at the beginning, it said shot on Mini DV. What, they're advertising it? Yeah, like them advertising it like it was the cool thing to do. I, Weird. I forget what movie it was. Well, you have but, to remember, it's all about the nostalgic factor right now. I mean, well, that's why I think, yeah, that's why I think it'll come back. I think mini DV will, the same way people will shoot, you know, a little slasher movie on a VHS camera. They'll do, they'll do the mini DV in the future. But speaking of mini DV, so mini DV, I think the year was like 2008 or nine, something along there. Something like that. And, um, I was approached, my cousin had a friend who approached me. They wanted to make a movie because they knew I was making movies. And they pitched this idea to me. And I told them, I think that idea would make a better TV show than a movie. And they all agreed. So we, we all sat down and we started writing out um, what would become the site. You know what I mean? Which is, uh, it's kind of an office type show, shot type show where it's like kind of fake mockumentary, fake documentary style with the mockumentary, I guess you could call it. And uh, it's about a construction team from Massachusetts and like all the shenanigans. Um, there might be a little de- like precursor to DJ in there with all the, with that ensemble cast, the, um, and the wild characters. But if you like, yeah, it's, it's very, it's got colorful, weird characters. We have um, insane Shane McCain plays the, the boss, the foreman type dude, who's just a real weird character as only he can do. I'm trying to think who else was in there. Mike Calvin made a cameo, you know, which was very nice. Got some acting okay. by Mike Calvin. I don't he, even remember that. You tackled uh, an actor to save his life from a bomb going off or a pipe bursting. It was shot in my backyard. It was an insert shot. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember. I Mike. He shot it. Associate producer credit, I believe. <laughs> and I edited it up. But I remember Mike when he seen the cut edited. He actually was surprised it didn't look like dog shit. I remember that. I was like, <laughs> he was like, it actually looks good. I was like, yeah. I remember that. That was that was a cool thing. Well, the shooting of it, that was a tough kind of shoot, you know. Um, no money, of course. We lucked out with um, – we stumbled into an actor that was a construction worker himself, which is how we got a whole construction site to work on. We were like, like he was rebuilding somebody's house who lost it to a fire. And um, we talked to the actual owner of the house. That's why, if you remember, there was like a trailer in the backpack. That's where the family was living. And um, they okayed it. So we went in there. Do you remember how many weekends we shot for on that? I don't remember that. I don't remember. It could have been like too crazy. We shoot long anyways, though. What what can you do? But um, at Necro, we also had Necro, the underground hip hop legend. Necro Damas was in in the film um, or in the the TV pilot. It's more of a TV pilot. Uh, T Ruckus was in there. Um, The late Mike Walsh, actually. You know the the character. You know the guy, the the actor who fell down a lot. <laughs> yeah, he, he he passed away like like two months ago. Yeah, wow. Well, rest in peace. Yeah, it was a sad thing. I don't know what happened. I don't Damn. know what happened. He fell off like a mountain or something like that. Sad stuff. Rest in peace. Um, but I don't know all the details. Um, 
that was a fun film. I, you know, I went to school for construction, so I kind of had that kind of background with it. Um, that was a good mixture of people that were just friends and like cast Ryan Gillis. How could I forget the great Ryan Gillis? Maybe one of the crowning achievements of that production. Um, and Ryan Gillis was eventually, you know, here's a fun fact. He was going to play the part in DJ that you, Alexander Hawk, eventually played. So uh-huh, should... the, the infamous Wesley Kalinsky. Wesley Kalinsky, yeah. And he, I remember Ryan got like a new job or something right before we started shooting. And he, he was unable to do the dates or something like that. Well, I have to thank him. You if really I should. Be, I gotta thank him. <laughs> we brought Ryan back. Ryan came back and did a small spot on Mr. Shardis uh, in that short film. And then he's still out there. If you're listening, Ryan, we love you, bud. Yeah. We're, uh, we're doing episode two of the site next fall. We'll, we'll, we'll be calling you out. So, yeah, th- that was a fun shoot, of course, right? Um, I don't feel like we were, that, we were there that long. It was that long of a shoot, but it was, it was cool. It was a, a total cooperation project. Like, it was one of those things, like... You know, if that dude didn't give us a location, we would have, we would that was like the, the, the beginning and end of everything right there in a good way. Um, got that house shot, everything we needed. We had Shane, Shane come down from New York. Necro came down from New York and yeah, we banged out. I wish I could remember how, how long we shot for, um, Mike trying to think of the dude's name, Mike. Who do you remember? Bro, Sean Brophy. Sean yep. Brophy. That was his name. Uh, that was a gentleman actor that let us use his house. Um, yeah, that was a fun, fun shoot. So we shot that. Um, we shot some cool Boston stuff that I still like to look at every now and then. That was cool. Um, you know, the opening to the movies, the opening to it's a little tricky, but it's because there were. Uh, we ran out. We ran out of time with the union. We couldn't get a certain actor to to finish to finish the project. <laughs> so we had to kind of make do. Um, that's why I don't work with the unions anymore. They put me under the belt. They put me under the fucking. They put me on the whip like that. Um, but yeah, I remember uh, the site was the first time I actually premiered a thing in front of like an actual like legitimate audience where we 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 premiered it in a bar. Scotty B's Sport Resort Bar, I think it was, an onset uh, mass over by Chase. This is before we even uh, – well, you might have known Chase at the time. And, yeah, I think uh, I this, did. The bar, the bar was, like, pretty packed up, which was nice. Um, yeah, it went, went pretty good. Um, Shane came back down for it. Uh, it was a cool thing, you know. It didn't really go anywhere, you know what I mean, but – what does you know what I mean? Yeah, they never do. <laughs> the um, but yeah, that was kind of the deal. And then from that, going from that point into the next thing, um, originally we were going to do the Wicked Hollows, which is a film that I still want to do this to this day. And I remember me and Mike sat down and we we talked about you know what we should do next. And Mike's not really a big horror fan, you know. We're not telling anybody anything they don't know. And, um, <laughs> but he likes smart horror, smart classy horror. Um, Actually, we should talk about the music video real quick. In between these, we did, um, there was a music video for uh, Snow Goons and La Teb. Snow Goons is a, like a super group uh, of producers out of uh, Germany. 
And um, like in the in the underground hip hop world, they're really big. And um, Latab, he's a local rapper, really good dude, uh, good good rapper, um, still going. Um, we did a song called The Beast. You know, I'm trying to think of some of the actors that was in it. Chris Gray was in there. You know, Chris um, and I. <laughs> Jay Call was the other dude. All right, cool beans. Uh, this was fun. We shot that in Latab's house, you know what I mean? Which was always fun. Um, we had like a blank, blanks, you know, blank, uh, uh, fake gun. We had like a fake prop gun for that. Um, that was fun. You know, my favorite part of that is there was a drive. The driving stuff was cool. The stuff in the car was cool. We're faking the, I was like faking stuff and we did a lot of <laughs> fake driving with that. Um, yeah. Then Latab. Latab went on vacation to jail for a little bit. So it, so the, that was it, but he's out now and doing better than ever. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, we, we, that, and then next up was the big Mac daddy of the collaborations, which is that DJ stand the man. Woo. Yeah. So yeah, DJ is, is an acquired film from just working at this wedding company. Um, oh yeah, like I said, when we after the site, we were talking about, you know, what's next? What are we gonna do next? And there was the idea for DJ Stand the Man, and Mike loved that idea. He thought that that film would do great at film festivals. The only time Mike Calvin's ever been wrong. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, so we did that DJ, you know, and DJ was a bigger film, uh, casting location wise, and everything. Um, we, we, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a little deeper. So from, uh, you know, the way we worked at the wedding place, this came about, um, right from the ground up from the day zero, Mikey was there on that. Um, and we, the, the first, I remember the first casting it's mainly, you know, it's just, it's, it's about the wedding. Anybody that hasn't seen it, hit us up, you can get yourself a copy it's just about a guy named DJ Stan, the man who used to be a big deal in the in, in, in the DJ world back in the day. Like in the 90s, if you were going to see a DJ, you were going to go see this guy because he was the bomb. And now it's more modern time and he's not doing clubs anymore. Now he's doing weddings. He's dropped off into the wedding route. And uh, so it deals with all the craziness of that. And he has like a group of misfits that he works with continuously. Alexander Hawk plays one of them. Um. Yeah, we had I Chase. resent that remark. Uh, <laughs> I said, I resent that remark. Okay. I'm not a misfit. I'm a one of a kind. You're a lost boy. You're a lost boy. Um, so that, yeah, Chase was the first cast person to come in. Like, I think that you know, the funny thing with Chase is, Chase, should we do the big spill the big beans on Chase or no? We'll it's leave it for a second time. I know. I we'll leave. We'll should. leave. The, we'll leave the mystery forever. So, don't spell that big bean. I know, huh? Keep it. Keep it going. Don't spill the big bean. I won't, Make everyone I, I won't. wonder. All right. We'll we'll do. So Chase was the first person tagged into the film, and like he was right from the get go. And then it took a little time because we did a couple auditions that weren't that successful. I remember the audition we did at um, was it Sean? Was Lally last name Lally? Pat Lally. Yeah. No. no. Uh, different Dedham guy. They're no, they're Dedham friends. Pat Lally's another uh light uh, guy. Uh, yeah, the uh, lights. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
But that's a different guy. Pat Lally is a guy that I did weddings with, and he did us a big favor, hooked us up with some lighting that we used um, for backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, DJ Stan the Man. Um, but it was um, Paul McMurtry. He's uh, – and th- they're both – I think they I think they even know each other from yeah. way back, weirdly. Um, yeah, is his uh, theater. He has an independent community theater where we held our – auditions yeah i wonder how that's doing with everything going on but uh yeah yeah yeah. it'd no. be a good time for theaters now it's time for that dj screening <laughs> the uh, i remember we met was it two people was it it was it ryan no three it was sebastian we already had ryan he was attached at that point it was before the schedule sebastian yeah we got sebastian that's where we met sebastian for the first time um which was like he, he looks like a movie star walking th- walking through the door. Um, good vibe. You could tell he was talented from the get go. Just seeing him read, uh, he carried himself really well. Like you can you could almost depend on him from just seeing him. Yeah. Um, and I wanted yeah like he I don't think he, he didn't quite fit. It was going to be either a Jules or Marty, but I don't think he fit fully for it. But uh, there was that side. There was a side character of the guy that plays guitar, which kind of like takes over the for the time that he's on screen. He's like supposed to be the star, and like Sebastian could demand that attention, so to speak. You know what I mean? And um, so we got him. And then there was a lady that did puppets. That was the funny story. There was a lady that was like a really lunatic, like a like that lamb chop lady, but more deranged. Yeah, she I, didn't understand what an audition was. Yeah, she thought we were looking. She thought we were like American Idol coming to her town or something. Because uh, she was, she, th- she were, yeah, she thought we were trying to, like, she was pitching her puppet show to us while we were trying to cast for a movie. And that that was her whole deal. Yeah, I wonder what ever happened to her. My hey, 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 honestly, I got a great idea. What you guys should have done was DJ stand the man with puppets. Okay. It's not too late. Ah, that has so much potential. It does. It's not too late, Alex. I like it. I like it. I like it too. The only replacement for Chase. <laughs> we'll wait. We gotta wait for Chase. Chase to take the big trip. No, the ch- there there were sequel ideas for DJ. It'd be fun to see some some things come mm-hmm. with DJ. We've talked about DJ endlessly. I think we could talk about it more. Um, We've got that gigantic fifth anniversary. Um, Hawk, you directed that actually. What'd you call that? Um, Shindig. Uh, I named it actually. I should remember. Uh, <laughs> it's like DJ Stan uh, fifth anniversary. Um, something meet like up. that. Is it a meetup? I don't know. I have, like I have to look at. If you go I'm look at the YouTube, you'll find it. If you, if anybody's listening, but. Yeah, DJ. DJ was a fun film, of course. You know what I mean. That that the DJ took a little time, you know. But beautiful things do. That's why I always tell everybody. I I often catch heat. I often catch heat for my time, my distance. Um, but I, don't you want to last forever? Ain't that the whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the DJ Stand the Man film. You know, that was a good. That was a hike to do. We got there. It was glorious. You know, I know the first premiere was a little shaky, but with the second one was a little better. You know what I mean? Um, and we're doing more. Hopefully we'll do more. 
we're hoping to do some fifth anniversary screenings last year, but with the COVID, it was uh, not happening. It's big trouble. You know what I mean? Okay. Hey, I've heard of that. Yeah. You guys heard about COVID? Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Matt. Yeah. Okay. The the official title actually is uh, DJ Stan Deban Fifth Anniversary Mingle Mania. I like it. Mingle uh, Mania. Yeah. I like Matt, it. You know, Matt you comes up with the titles, man. Yeah, Matt comes up with the title first. Yes. Sometimes it's very full moony, like full moon pictures used to do that back in the day. Um, I pride myself in my title picking. It's, it's the most important part of the week when I name all the episodes <laughs> of the podcast that go down. It comes to me. It's like magic. It just hits me. It just hits, it hits me. them like a brick wall. Like a brick wall. Brick wall. Yeah. So, Mikey, after yeah. DJ, what have you been doing after DJ? When you got all that big, the riches that came in from DJ Stand the Man. Yeah, the, the, oh, the, man, the, yeah. <laughs> well, first, yeah, with all my DJ Stand the Man money, I, <laughs> I didn't know what to do with it. So I had to uh, deliquidate it, and I bought a couple of yachts hey. and a helicopter. You got to get from one yacht to the other. That's true. I like to go as long as possible without setting foot on land. Yeah. So, you know, I fly from boat to boat. Uh, But, you know, then I used up all my DJ Stan the Man money on uh, non-land transportation. And uh, so uh, I've gone corporate now. Uh Uh Uh-oh. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, And it was one of the best decisions of my life. I've heard that before. I've heard people say that after the fact. Yeah, being self-employed is no good. People yeah. think it's good, but it's not good. And it's, and gigs are better than nothing, but you know, a dependable job is better than a gig. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's it's a weird, yeah. It's a weird in the film. The you know, even specialized gigs like with the weddings, you know, that's even more, you know, steady than film. Like there's no yeah. steadiness to film at all. The film's an ocean. The film's a gigantic ocean. Yeah, but but gigs and film are, are are so much fun. You have to admit. Come on, tell me, Mike. You miss miss. You know, it, it, it's it's like going to war, but you got something beautiful at the end of it. That sounds Come like on. a weirdly apt analogy. Yeah, about <laughs> how like you know you you talk to like people my grandfather's generation and. They saw horrors. They're drafted against their will. Yep. They had to do horrible things, but then they also had these great stories to tell too. And they met their best friends, and it all came out of something that they didn't want to do in the first place. It's truth. Amen to that. Yeah, and so it's like you know, take that big idea and squeeze it down to a little small thing, and <laughs> that's what it's like producing indie films. With no money, it's a tough thing, man. It's uh, all we, we we build. We try to build like bodies of work, I guess. We, we me and Hawk talk a lot about uh, when you're dead now. That like like the, what we leave behind. That's kind of like our deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing because you know you gotta even when you're dead, you still gotta have somebody left behind to continue to push it. That's the thing. That's the tricky part. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. the way I, I see it is that, you know, uh, that's how, how we, we, we become, you know, immortalized for the ages is, is our art, our, our film, uh, uh, things to show the world, you know, what, what we can do, what we can create. Doc Ben's been blowing up all over the world. I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm still trying to get, uh, you know, Mike Kelvin's luxury of two yachts and a helicopter. Oh. I, I, I'm about a few billion short of that. What, you haven't got your DJ Stan the Man check yet? No, no, he tells he me it. it's in the mail. And he, he got it. It's coming. It's too big. It's they got to get a special truck for it. Uh, it's one of those like uh, home shopping, one of those uh, publishers clearinghouse checks. Yeah, that's right. They just can't get it through the door, Hawk. They just got to turn it sideways, and they'll figure it out. Won't fit in the uh, mailbox. That's the problem. <laughs> if you can figure out a way to make it fit, I'll send it again. You know what I mean? I'll make it fit. I'll make it fit. That's what she said. <laughs> wow! 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 Food dang. Let me see what we got here. Hey, well, we're, we're rounding out that old hour and a half mark a little bit. You know what I mean? So I think that we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We're definitely gonna have more Mike Calvin in the future for sure. We already yeah, have, I am baby. We already have episodes scheduled. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Yeah. So everybody, everybody get out there and support. You know what I mean? Is Maybe. that our future episodes a secret? Are you not telling them what the tub what the subject is? Uh, you mean if you want, you can. Nah, it's okay. We'll we'll tease them. We'll make them think it's the big yeah. secret we were talking about earlier. Then they wait for it every episode. They go, "Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the this one? The one? Yeah. Do we find out what's in the box? <laughs> right. What's in the box?" Alex, what's in the box? What's in the... Alex had a web show for a while called What's in the Bag. Did you ever catch that when it was on? No. Oh. It didn't last that long. Uh, I think I did a total of maybe seven episodes. I just put on YouTube. Didn't really take off. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, it was fun for when I did it. As long as you're having fun. Yeah. I mean that's later. the whole thing. You gotta have fun. You gotta. I mean, it's it's what I always find hilarious is no matter how hectic or crazy Dune film and all that is, that as soon as it's over and you get the finished product after you put all your sweat and tears into it, I mean, there's nothing. It nothing feels better than seeing the end project, and then you realize that you know. All of the, you know, pain was worth it. At least I feel that way for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got a bunch of, you got, you got a destined time to be here, and you could try to make something to leave a mark. I guess you know what I mean. That's the take. Entertain people when you're gone. Try to make them feel better, type deal. You know. That's all you can do. Let's do that Star Trek episode too. I'm down with that. Definitely. We'll, we'll tease that. And yeah. We have to research. But, but, but uh, before we leave, I do have to ask uh, Mr. Calvin one thing. Out of all the Star Trek uh, TV series and all that, which one is your favorite? Deep Space Nine. Oh, yeah. Heck yes. I don't even I'm have to think about, about it. <laughs> Deep Space Nine is the best. And 
when we do the episode, most of it's going to be by Deep Space Nine, man. That's fine with it. me. You guys need your own Star Trek podcast. Ooh, yeah. On the, on the Boombastic yeah. Media Network. It could be a spinoff. It could be. Yeah. yeah. Matt, Matt, you can you can be on it and just read a book. Should I be a guest? <laughs> I, I can't even be a guest on the shows on my own network. Regiment. What a terrible world. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be talking to Matt to be like, in, on the side, like, excuse me, what's a triple? What's a triple? <laughs> that's a that's a valuable contribution. It it that helps is. to have someone saying what's a triple. That's a good question too. Because I don't know. <laughs> I just don't Uh-oh. know. And if anybody else out there wants to know what a triple is, you tune in for the Star Trek episode. <laughs> I, I, All right, Michael, always a pleasure. We'll have you back ASAP. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Yeah. Alex, be good over there, bud. I'll try. I'll, I'll see you Saturday, actually, you big animal. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be editing. <laughs> <sighs> Horrifying. Uh, projects in the works. In the post-production. Shorts. Now is the time of short films and yeah. documentaries. Yeah. It's the only way in podcasts. Only way. All right. So with that being said, have a good one. And we'll catch all y'all the next episode of the Boombastic Cast. Bango. Very nice. Yeah, nice. That was good. We got a nice hour and a half in there with the music. We'll hit about an hour and a half. It'll be nice. Sweet. How much Sweet editing up. goes into these? Um, Audio-wise, not the audio. I just clipped the beginning and the end and do the, the song. But this gentleman over here, but this guy over here will edit up a video version of it. That uh, Yeah. He puts more time into it. You cut in, like, B-roll and photos and stuff, right? I think yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, the thing is that uh, one of the uh, main things, uh, what I always try to do is, I mean, of course, this isn't scripted. We talk off the cuff, and there's a lot of times, I know at least on my end, where, you know, I say something which is wrong or totally off, so I go and I cut that out, and you know, I, I, I try to... You know, take care of any, you know, glaring mistakes. Unless the mistakes works for, like, a joke later in the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I try to tighten it. And, of course, I put I put pictures in it to either emphasize a joke or just... I find that I, I don't think I'm the only one. But when you're watching, like, a talking head show like this, that if you, uh, if you throw in... I mean, it's easier with pictures because you don't get flagged much with copyright. Yeah. But if you put videos, that's where they usually hit you a lot with. Mm-hmm. So that's why I use pictures to, you know, kind of spice it up. And, you know, and I think it adds adds a lot to it. Yeah, I think so, too. When I, when I was doing my homework and watching episodes of this earlier, and then suddenly there's pictures, and I was, like, delighted. Yeah, <laughs> so it's worth the work. <laughs> no, it is. I he does a great job. I always tell him great, great stuff. Adds to. Um, it. I mean, the thing is, when uh, when I do finally do a video thing, this is probably being the best of. Um, and I'm going to try to get like some pictures from like um, uh, slippery when wet and that kind of stuff. That's okay, right? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Okay, 
I, I mean, the thing is, when, when it comes to someone's like personal work, I want to make sure that it's okay. I mean, most of the pictures you see, I just grab from Google, so it's already out there. But, you know, I know some people are, are, are a little touchy if I, like, throw up, you know, some of their stuff. So, yeah, if you're cool with it, then I'll I'll try to get, you know, pictures to go with what we're talking about so people know who and what we're talking about. Anything for you, Alex. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Let me know if you need something, like, if you need a picture. I don't want to have... I don't have a like ready access to that stuff because it's so old, but I might have something. Oh, definitely. Um, like I said, um, I mean, I have the DVD too. I have a DVD that you can pull from too if you want. That, okay, that's probably yeah. all I've got too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I said. Um, I mean, this is going to definitely go straight up as as audio. Um, and as Matt says, he usually only clips the beginning and the end. And of course, I mean, like with my thing falling down and all that, uh, I'll be editing I'll all cut that, that out. Uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering when I do the uh, do the uh, video uh, aspect of it. But yeah, I mean, it's and it's, it's funny. I as as I I tell Matt, and I I am definitely not a fan of editing. I I really don't like it. But I have been uh, teasing myself how to do it so we can, you know, keep on doing these stuff. And You're doing good. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that... You cut, what'd you cut out? What was that first thing you cut up? It was like a promo reel or something for a show for Penny Dreadful? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's... I was going to bring that up earlier when you were talking about re- recutting the movies. Mm. I remember the first uh, thing Hawk ever did is he yeah. recut up like a season teaser for Penny Dreadful yeah. or something like that. Um, you ever saw the TV series Penny Dreadful? That mm. was on. Uh, well, anyway, um, what I did was, you know how a lot of people like take like a song and then they, you know, put clips to it. Pretty much a music video. Yeah. That's what I did with uh, Penny Dreadful. Just to, you know, practice with things. And I find it's easier when you're doing like music like putting clips to music, then, woo, Mike. It's Mazer. Mike. I black cat on that yellow cat. wall look good. I know. I was hoping he was going to show up earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I know you didn't make the cut. Oh, yeah, oh. we're recording still. Maybe I'll throw a quick, maybe Hawk will throw a quick clip it. <laughs> we got to put the cat in the best of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, um, yeah. And of course, uh, I, I mean, when uh, we just did the best of that I dropped uh, l- uh, last Monday. And sometimes, I mean, there, there was an issue where, like, I, I did a record like this, which I've never had a problem with. But for some reason, the audio is fine, but the uh, picture started to, like, go in and out, like, near the end of it, which never happened before. Mm. So I had to cut some of that out. Um, the little bit that I, ha- I could keep in, I put pictures over to try to hide the, the um, video issues. So, yeah. So, and of course, all this is done on iMovie. Low budget. <laughs> hey, iMovie is gold. Well, you he has. Don't you have Adobe or something? No Final Cut. Mike don't like Final Cut. I haven't used Final Cut since they totally rearranged it, and that was like five years ago or something. Yeah. You know, they kind of turned into like 
iMovie but more. And it used to be Premiere but different. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't used it since they changed it to be more like iMovie. But uh, I mean, I, I use Premiere every day. You know, it's an essential yeah, yeah. tool for me. But I love iMovie too because it does most of what you need to do most of the time. Uh, and it's great. It's easy to use. A lot of people just have it already, even if they don't know they have it. I do have to ask you a question since I have you. Yeah. Um, I did. Um, I ended up uh, buying and, and downloading a bunch of like um, special effects stuff. It's called like the blockbuster pack or something like that, where you can have like, you know, meteors and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Now it's funny because when you look at it, they make it look like you can like take it and then modify and place it where you want it in the stream. But when I try to put on iMovie, it just, you know, I can put it on and it'll show up, but it's like only in one specific place. I can't shrink it or move it or, or anything like that. I mean, have you done any kind of like special effects like that in iMovie? Is I'm afraid a- not. I kind of yeah. treat it like, I kind of treat iMovie like a microwave, you know, in that if I have a, a simple job to get done quick, yeah, pop it on iMovie, and actually, I haven't. I haven't even used it in a couple of years. Uh, I just used to use it more, just because, just you know, dumb technical minutia has changed. Yeah, uh, I don't have access to it as easily as I used to. But if there's anything I need to do that's beyond just one shot, then another shot, and then cut off the first two seconds and cut off the last two seconds, I bring it to Premiere. Okay. So sorry. Uh, uh, I know I have to get around and. and- it's just that it's every time I'm thinking that I'm going to, um, you know, either get Premiere or another, you know, um, uh, thing, uh, I'm like, I end up, you know, not having as much money as I need to to pick it up. Well, Premiere is like a monthly fee now, right? Yeah, they changed it. Luckily, I don't have to pay it because my company work hard. pays cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> that is good, yeah. I know you you can work from, yeah, because you can work from home and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I go, I shoot, I shoot in person because it's the only way to do it. But then, then I go and I edit at home and it's a pretty good system. Cause, uh, you know, I was going to say, uh, I spaced out. I I completely forgot what I was going to say in the middle of saying it. (laughs) That's unlike you. That's a scary thing. You've always got something back up to say in your back pocket too. I had two backup things. You're getting old. Forget. I am getting old. That that is true. Unfortunately, that that's how it goes. You know what I mean? What was I going to say? The editing. Um... Yeah. Man, something about Adobe. Well, you. No, oh, no. Was yeah. It was about the oh, the yeah the Adobe. It's it's like thirty bucks a month or more now. Yeah, it adds up quick. Yeah. It's like expensive. I'm Dave Maggot, I think, had it for a little bit. And then he couldn't afford it and lost it. But I want to say it was like like it was like that by like a, by the end of the year it was like a thousand bucks. It was like something ridiculous. Yeah. I mean Well maybe not that much, but it was like like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, it really yeah. does add up. And I think it's the only way to I think it's the only way they let you do it even. I don't think you even have a choice to just buy it. Uh, right. Yeah, 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 you're right. And, but, uh, uh, Hawk, there's another thing I think is free, Adobe Spark. Adobe Spark? 
Let me write this down. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. Yeah. Uh, I, like, over the pandemic, because I wasn't shooting as much, I didn't have as much to edit, I kind of, like, tried to, get, like, you know, on a surface level, familiarize myself with all the Adobe tools because I have access to them, but I never use three quarters of them. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of just like made the rounds and did like a little tutorial on a lot of them. Yeah. And um, one of them is, is Spark. And I think that one's free, but I'm not positive, but I think it is. And it's video editing and it's simple, even simpler than iMovie. But if you, if what you need to get done is just, you know, trimming time and rearranging the order of shots and putting in some transitions and titling, it can do all that. And that's most of what most people need to do most of the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, for the most uh, most part, iMovie is fine. I I've been able for the most part do everything I need to. It's just that if I want, I mean, I know Matt uh, has been uh, talking about me editing, you know, some bigger uh, of our projects, and of course, if I'm going to do that, I want to have the best. Uh, possible thing to make it as good as possible. I mean, with uh, not saying that, you know, what I do with, you know, the podcast and all that isn't that good. It's just, you know. Not, tech, not too crazy, yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't have yeah, to be. I mean, easy. yeah, especially, but well, one thing I have to say that editing has done, it has probably made me so much more anal when it comes to being on set, because I'd be sitting here, I mean, and, and this would be on anyone's set, okay? And they'd be, you know, talk, uh, doing the shots and all that. And I, I'm just sitting here in my mind like, okay, that transition isn't going to work. It's not going to look good. It's like, um, but but we have to, it's like, and, and of course what I love is when I make a comment like, oh, shouldn't, you know, you guys like go, uh, Make it do this shot. Like, oh no, no, we don't need it. And I'm just sitting here, like, I don't know how this is going to look. Maybe there's a way of of, of play around and post with it. Mm. But I'd be like, eh, have you seen? Have you seen Arrival, Alex? Um, I know of it. I haven't seen it though. No. Okay, uh, I don't want to spoil. It. I don't want to spoil it, but. I mean, okay. I mean, my parents have, have seen it and they told me a bit about it. Uh, it's uh, with the aliens and... Yeah, aliens. That. You have to learn how to communicate with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, you just reminded me a little bit. I won't go on from that. You, you should check it out. It's Denny Villeneuve. He, I mean, he's a hell of a director. It's, it's worth watching just because of that. Uh, anyway, anyway, um, you just kind of made me... Th- think never realized it for the first time but like learning to edit kind of reprograms your brain i think and the, it, the movie touches on that kind of concept yeah. of like reteaching you how to think yeah. uh and yeah like people don't even know what editing is i think and then when you start doing it then you start like i know exactly what you mean about about like looking at reading a script or being on a set and thinking like well, these these two bits have to go together, but we don't have a thing. Yeah, we don't have a thing that makes them go together. It's not that useful for anything outside of filmmaking, but <laughs> but it well, sure is useful in that context. I mean, it's funny because I ended up doing this like um, uh, 
it wasn't like uh, for like a, a film uh, school, but these kids, uh, they just graduated high school. They always wanted to make a movie. So he decided to make a movie. It ended up um, meeting up with them through like backstage. And there was a point where they wanted the character to look like he shoots me. Uh, and I'm on the ground and, and they're trying to do the shot where, you know, he pulls in, and I, I jerk my head back as if I get shot. And it's not coming exactly the way that they want. And and the thing is, they wanted it to look like that he might have killed me or he might not have, you know, a little and big. And we kept on doing this. And I was like, guys, all you have to do is, you know, you, you have the shot of me, then the shot of him, and then have him about to pull and then just slightly turn his head. And then have a shot of like outside the house and you hear the bang. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to the next scene after that because it gives, you know, all those kind of possibilities. And they're like, whoa, oh my God, we never thought of that. I was, they're like, whoa, they're so outside the box. And I'm like, yeah. uh, I, I, I was in the box. This, this, uh-huh. this is the box. So I'm, like, I'm not box. going outside the box. I'm, I'm paying you like the simplest, easiest way to do this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And off the top of my head, yeah. it's what they did in Dances with Wolves. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it, it works. It's been done. It kind of reminds me of the, the, um, you know, like the story, I don't even think it's true, about how, like, NASA needed a pen that would write in zero gravity, and they they spent a bazillion dollars on, like, funding the invention of a pen that would write in zero gravity, when then the Soviet space program, they just used a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not even a true story, as far as I know, because pencils have their own big problems in space, like yeah. having having dust floating around. But it reminds me of that, where it's like, well, we need to have the angle just right. We need to do this practical effect, and we need to, like, yeah. sync it up with a special effect and post, or just shoot the exterior and put it a gun sound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, I'm like, I know what you want to get, but I also, am like, you also understand you don't have the budget or the equipment to really make this look good. So you have to know how to fake it. I mean, as as Matt says, his favorite scenes are when he's able to face something. Yeah. And and I mean that's that's how I was like uh, and and I mean I remember you know sitting and listening to someone and, and they're talking about the scene that uh, of a short they want me to edit and I and, and of course I think he got a little pissed off because I was like you know stepping on his directing toes or something where I'm like well you know if if we do it like this it would make more sense and the transition is like, no, 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 this is how I see it. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just saying that I don't know. I mean, I can try to find a way to do it, but the way you have it explained, I don't know how it's going to be like a jump cut, which is going to be kind of like, you know, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you can do better. Yeah. I mean, what are we talking about? I- you what know. film are we talking about over there? <laughs> What's going on? Nothing, Matt. Nothing, Matt. Who's that? Is this for somebody I know? Is this? For, are you talking about Ray Short? Or are you talking about something else? <laughs> All right, I was wondering what the hell you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> 
But this yeah, is going in. This is going in the show. <laughs> I was going to put this in there too. I said nobody's nobody's saying anything bad. I can just throw this extra ten minutes in the episode, and then Hawk making me say bad things. This reminds me uh, of when we used to shoot on shoot on the Goodrich dock we were talking about. Yeah, and we would we would go to these like boring functions, and uh, everyone would be like, "Why are you here? Why do you want to shoot footage of this like school award ceremony or whatever dumb thing?" And it's because we weren't there to shoot the school award ceremony. Yeah. We were there to get footage of the people like hanging out after. Yeah. And like when they're waiting in line to get in, because that's when people are candid and they're just talking freely and, yeah. and they're going to say something good. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I, I guess a, uh, especially after starting editing, I'm a huge, huge believer in, in getting like, just, just what I, I like to call kind of like picture shots, you know, just a shot of that, of, of anything that fits in the scene that can be kind of, you know, pretty or symbolic mm. or kind of like just sets the mood because I love those because then when I'm doing something and like a transition isn't working or trying to get something to, you know, and it's just stagnant. You you put one of those things in, and it it just you know helps. Um, I always consider it like my safety net. If someone does a, a a shot and doesn't have like a connecting scene that makes sense, you know, put one of those in. So you know it makes sense, but you know it, it isn't really a transition scene. Yeah, I know what you mean. A little interstitial. It's not an establishing shot, but it's not a narrative shot either. It's just kind of like a a breather. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so uh, I I blame Matt. Sorry, just interrupt one second. I just want to say, hey, JoJo. I just want to let you know we're we're just kind of hanging out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to come say hi? (laughs) Andrea's uh, recovering from her vaccine. Uh the so shot she's, she got a little sick with it or just the shot no she yeah she she got she got some of the sickness from it yeah i heard about it it's one of the dude that was supposed to play frankie's part almost died from covid in and, and dj and then he just got the shot and went back to the hospital <laughs> wow yeah. that's the one thing you gotta worry about with the vaccine is there's a little bit of it in it you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah i mean i i got it and like uh, the next two days, I felt like I had like a hundred pound bag on oh, my no. back, and uh, yeah, I mean, luckily that was the the worst I got. My mom got worse when she got it. But did uh, you guys pass it off to each other? Around no, no, no. she got the vaccine too. Yeah, did, and it made her sick as well. Well, it it hurt her harder than anyone else in the family. I mean. I had had the weightiness, but I could go to work. I mean, I just felt like, you know, like you know, shit. But I mean, I was still Very able much. to do what I had to do. I'm glad you feel better. But but hey, I mean, uh, it's not like uh, an essential worker could, you know, you know, <laughs> stay home and rec- <laughs> That's it. Look at you. That's Alex Hawk, the essential worker. Yeah. Tell Andrea uh, we hope she feels a lot better. Yeah. I will. Thank you. She should pop on. We'll say hi. Tell her we said hi. Hi. 
She's in her PJs. I can't imagine her making a public appearance. Ladies don't like public appearances in their PJs, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, are you in your PJ bottoms? Oh, yes, I am. Got that feel, man. I was getting that feel. You go to bed real early, too. Mikey, don't you go to bed early? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a geezer, yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, Mike, how early do you have to wake up? Uh, I mean, you work at home, right? Now? Yeah, uh, most of the time. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, in my case, I, I have to be at work at like 7 to 3.30 all weekdays, Monday through Friday. Um, but I have to wake up at like 5 just to, you know, force myself to, you know, be alert <laughs> Yeah. for work. So, you know, so I go to bed now like, you know, seven, seven, eight, and I wake up like three times a night. <laughs> yeah, old people go to bed early, and it's because they figured it out that that's what they got to do to not to not be dead. Well, they get to pee. They get to pee ten times during the night too. Yeah, I yeah, go to bed. Too. I go to bed at nine o'clock. Then I wake up at eleven thirty and go to work. <laughs> then I go. Then I go home at six. I do it overnight. I overnight work it. Stay away from the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a smart man. That's a pretty smart thing to do. Otherwise, I'd be prison man. <laughs> you know, I'd be in prison. Fuck, oh, man. What are we gonna do with you? I don't know, man. Now CVS is gonna fire the hawk off. Oh no! Yeah, they're giving him beef. They're trying to the rise of the machines are happening. Yeah, Skynet's taking over, man. Skynet. Yeah, yeah a little at a time. Do a Terminator movie based on that. Honestly, you know, <laughs> it would be funny out. because, I, of course, if we were to do this, we'd actually need, you know, a decent, a very big budget, I think. I was joking. <laughs> I, I said make... I said make a Terminator movie out of a self-checkout thing. Yeah, and Alex is like, yeah, I think I know a guy I can call. We're, <laughs> we're sure going to need, what, what $200 million for this? I'm well, sure well, you do. The thing is, I actually had an idea, which came yeah. to me, is that you have, like, you know, what's set up is, like, a, a typical slasher where you have a guy who, you know, is working at, like, a, a CVS, the self-checkouts, and he decides to lock everyone in. Like, corporate comes to visit, and he locks the door, and he's just taking people out. And then you find out that uh, he's doing it because the self-checkout is telling him to do it, kind of like a son of Sam, you know, like, thing. And then, of course, everyone thinks, oh, he's just crazy. They finally Mm -hmm. defeat him. And then you find out that there's someone else who actually was, you know, using the self-checkout to talk to him to cause him to go nuts and do all that. Yeah. Did he just, is that the plot to the Terminator self-checkout movie? <laughs> yes. Is that for real? You came up with that? I came up with that at, at work like two days ago. So <laughs> all right. That does not surprise me. Well, what can I say? When, when you're standing next to, you know, the self-checkout and it's, you know. You should call it. Total, you should do total recall, but a recall on CVS products. <laughs> total self checkout. Total self checkout will check you out. Ooh. <laughs> total cough drop recall. I can see that. Oh, uh, yeah. 
But it's one of those many ideas that, you know, we'll see. We'll see if anything comes from it. Total retail. I like that. That's actually a great name. (laughs) I like that. Total retail. Uh, I think we're going to have to, like, you know, pay some uh, residuals to Mike Calvin. That could be the follow-up to DJ, the next big dark comedy. It could be about (laughs) you in the retail business. I I would do that, actually. I would love to make a movie about a a dude that just hates his job in retail. That'd be a fun one. You could make it DJ-ish like with, like... You, you, you couldn't be as. Was that a tie dyed shirt? I like it. Ah, that was that was a alpaca blanket. Ah, I like it. I was looking at Hawk and it traveled by quick. You got the <laughs> It's funny because your 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 background's so bright that Hawk looks like he's in a black and white TV. <laughs> he's looking yeah. like no color in his. Hawk's in a film noir. Yeah. Yes. It was a dark stormy night. Yeah. He had legs that went on for hours. <laughs> I knew because it just told me the time. Oh. Oh. You're a romantic, Huck. Uh, You're hopeless romantic. That's all I get from that. Hawk, I'd love to see you. I'd love to see that big starring role. You star in that movie. Hey, hey. Send I'm Mike a clip. To send Mike um, Essential Employee. The dramatic oh, yeah. version of the film. The what version? Dramatic version of what you just said. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, the, the Hawk made a short, his first short film. He made two short films during COVID. Nice. One, yeah, one of them's like an abduction one, and the other one's uh, like a dramatic dystopian COVID world. I love dystopian. Yeah, I know. You'll like it. Yeah, yeah. send it over to Mike. You'll like it. Oh, definitely. Then send it to, to Tony. Send it over to Tony Newton, too, so you can put it on a movie. Oh, definitely. Hey, uh, but did you uh, – I know you said you were going to check and see if you want me to change or add anything. For that, that short? That uh, short's fine. Both of those. The first one, I was thinking about doing the effect thing, but I don't know if we'll do that. i got to find time to do it like that. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just go over it. I mean – the truth be told, I have to uh, go and, and uh, work more on GPS since uh, we're meeting on Saturday about it. Oh, yeah, no worries. No, well, it's already done, right? You can send it over to Mike. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take a sure. peek. Hey, Mike, I don't know if I have your uh, email. Can you shoot yeah, Mike, Get Mike excited about sure. film again with your short film, Mike. You ready? I'll, I'll yeah. just tell you. Ready? It's yeah. <clears throat> mcalvin, as in Mike Calvin, Okay. And at gmail.com. That's with a C, right? Yes. Okay. To a K, Hawk. <laughs> triple K. Uh, M. Kelvin at what? <clears throat> at gmail.com. At gmail.com. So I got in early. I know. I read uh, that. Uh, I'll try to uh, send it over. I mean, uh, w- one of the things that uh, it's, it's, since I've been doing this, I'm literally like, you know, working and then I come in, I do the podcast with uh, Matt and then, and then, I, I'm doing the editing. I honestly, I I, I haven't really. <laughs> I don't think I've had a break for a while. Oh, don't <laughs> oh, hey, I, I, Andrea just was. Uh, not, I, I didn't. I don't know why. I just looked over at her and she goes, "Jiggle the handle." <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Jiggle the handle. You've made an impact on pop culture, Hawk. Hey, look up who. Andrea says, Matt, you should look up Grady Hendrix. It's 
Is that right? Oh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah. It's an author that she thinks you'd like. Great. I'm, I'm going to write that down. I, ha- I think I have heard that name. She says she likes my best friend's exorcism. That's what he wrote. That's what he wrote. You're deep in thought. Yeah, because I know somebody wrote a wrote a wrote a book recently that was something like that. Uh, Patrick Ramal's uh, something like that. Um, so, uh, my boyfriend's exorcism. My best friend's exorcism. Oh. All right. Oh, Hawk, what should we talk about about Star Trek? I know. Oh, man. There's so much, so much. I'm, I mean, the big thing uh, is... Um, I have a question. Have you... They did a documentary. On, the DS9 one? Yeah. Have you seen that yet? I saw it in the theater, as a matter of fact. Oh, lucky you. I, I, I got a DVD version. I, I, I did not see it in the theater. But, uh, yeah, I watched that. And one of the things that I loved, which uh, they uh, said that DS9 was one of the earliest uh, TV series that really did these story arcs. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love love that uh, TV series so much. Um. Actually, you want to know something uh, that that's interesting? I stumbled across um, Alexander Siddig, who played Julian Bashir, mm-hmm. and Andrew Robinson, who played Garrick. Uh, during the COVID times, they actually did kind of a like a fan fiction like uh, uh, podcast with the two of them. Like uh, it's it was like you know so many years after DS Nine. You know, uh, Garrick is now like the head of the Cardassian, you know, world, and Julian now is like uh, he's still a doctor, but he's working also with like uh, Chapter Forty Seven, the uh, spy. Mm-hmm. Group. And one of the things that was interesting was the fact that in in this version, Garrick uh, admits that he and Gold Tukat had an illicit affair. And that's one of the reasons why they hate each other. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Is this a podcast? Is that what you said? Well, the thing is, it you know, like the old um, radio shows where, you know, it yeah, was like, a radio drama. like that, but, you know, it was like set up in Zoom where you saw, you know, B- uh, Bashir and, and, and Garrick and, and they're talking back to forth. And, and the setup is that, Bashir's on a runabout hovering around Kardashian and uh, Gold to, I mean, uh, Garrett wants him to like diagnose, like he thinks he has like a, a disease. But the thing is, because of all the turmoil, he can't allow uh, Bashir to come down onto the planet. So, so it's pretty much, even though it's obvious that it's, um, uh, Bashir is in is uh, you know Alexander Siddiq's at his home and and Garrick's in his home. Uh, it's you know set up and supposed to be as if they they're on communicators just talking to each other. It was I actually, gotta look this up. Yeah, um, I I don't remember what the name of of it is under. 
I know that uh, Alexander Sadig did a few other things where he had Nana Vista on and, and they they talked, uh, uh, they did uh, little things like that. But yeah, I stumbled across it by purely by accident. And it was funny because you, you go in and, and uh, see some interviews where actually Andrew Robertson um, admitted that the way he played Garrick, especially uh, like in the very beginning, was, you know, he was really, how should I say, interested in Bashir in a certain way, <laughs> which I'm like, man, you know, I, I never read into it. But now that he adds that little bit of like backstory gives everything so much more, you know, meat mm. to, to the character and the situation. And that's what I love. I love the characters. I love the, you know, especially Garrick. I love Garrick. Garrick's my favorite Star Trek character. Oh yeah, and 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 it's it's funny because he was uh, Andrew Robinson was uh, talking about how, which they also brought into his characters that he himself is claustrophobic. And you know when they put, first put on the makeup and all that, he was you know. You know, he was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this because of, you know, uh, feeling so claustrophobic in the outfit. But he says, you know, as soon as he saw his face in the mirror, he's like, the lizard part of my brain just kicked in. And I'm like, I know how to play this guy. Mm. And then, and then know, Garrick was, of course, claustrophobic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah. And, and the funny thing is also, um, Deep, uh, Deep Space Nine is one of the few things where most of the main cast were theater actors. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Most of them had a strong theater background. The only one who didn't was um, the actress who played Jajia Dax. She was the only one who didn't have a strong theater background. But she had, uh, you know, but she done TV and movies. See, it was actually in Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Right? I know. I stumbled yeah. into it one day, and I was shocked to see it. Yeah. It's easy. <laughs> Finally, he poked up. I know. Yeah, there's your connection, man. See, now see, I'm involved. See, now what, when we do the truck talk, okay, whenever, uh, whenever uh, Matt is dozing off, just throwing, well, you know, Jadzia worked with <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, I'll come awake. <laughs> They wake up like, oh, oh, I get no respect. I get no respect. That's right. Better believe that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, I would definitely love to talk about it and, and hit, like, all the different ones. The only one I would say that I would have the hardest part to talk about is Enterprise because I didn't see many of those episodes. No biggie. There's plenty of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Have you this seen could any- be a show. This could be a show on the network. Have you seen any of uh, Discovery? Yeah, I've seen all of it. Okay. I've seen, uh, uh, I don't know how many seasons they're up to. I think I've seen three seasons. There are only three. There are only three. Okay. And it's it's funny. You know how, the, the, the funniest thing is when I went to Bucharest, okay, to uh, shoot a film, um, I had a lot of downtime because... COVID didn't allow me to, you know, leave my area that much. Um, but in Bucharest, 
uh, Star Trek Discovery was on Netflix. You don't get on Netflix in the States. Which so, I, oh, th- that was your opportunity to watch it? Yeah. I literally binged the three seasons. Mm, like, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I if if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have seen it. Oh, and, of course, I know uh, uh, Paul Matt over there, he's like, man, can we stop talking about track? What? <laughs> track? Dude, I, I live, breathe, and fucking eat track all day long. <laughs> I, I know that you probably heard about the, the news about uh, John Delancey. Yes, but I should tell you I haven't watched the Picard trailer, and I'm trying to be as spoiler-free as possible, but I've already heard that one thing. Okay. I remember those days. Have uh, you seen the first season of Picard? Yeah. Okay, I I haven't, unfortunately. Because, I mean, um, when it comes to streaming and all that, it's Netflix, and that's about it for me. Because my parents have Netflix, and I'm cheap as hell. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. And Discovery, I mean, you've watched it now, but it's not worth it. I don't care for it. And I, I think Picard is better, but not that much better. Well, the thing is, I will give Discovery credits that I do enjoy. It's probably the only series that I've I've seen that I can think of. That I mean, I I I, I don't want to sound like like an ass, but I really think that uh, you know, I mean, everyone's about trying to be inclusive, bringing in different nationalities, sexes, you know, genders, and all that. And in a lot of series and all that, I feel like uh, try to push that thing. Discovery is the only one I watched that dealt with all that, but it felt more organic. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just me, but I mean, like dealing with the the, um, uh, the gay relationship and you know the other you know uh, women in power, that kind of stuff. I just felt it was the first time I saw a TV series that dealt with these things more organic and it didn't feel like someone's trying to force it down your throat. Yeah, you're right. Having aliens around and, you know, everyone's from a different culture kind of smooths everything over. Everyone's a big weirdo to everyone else. I'm Alex Hawk. Good night, everybody. Ha! Yeah. 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 I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Have a good night. Enjoy dinners. Bye, folks. Put something that might take your job. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Yeah.